hail our fair Riverdale. Register. In the bunker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Riverdale Register. My name is Caitlin. My name is John, and we're coming to you from our bunkers once again. We're loving our bunkers. And, and with us in the bunker, I feel like I'm making this whole thing awkward. I don't know why. Am I, is my it's voice weird? Gift. It's my gift? Okay, yeah. cool. Because I really thought that after like 60 episodes, I would have nailed this. That's now, what I keep I, saying. I know. I see not. Uh, but anyway, who wants to say hi to Beth? Hey, it's hi, a special Beth. guest. It's Elizabeth Patton. <laughs> yes. Hello. Beth, I call you Beth. Do you want to professionally be known as Elizabeth? Do you want me to start calling you Elizabeth? Because I don't oh. think I can do that. Yeah, what should I call you? Caitlin, you don't have to call me Elizabeth. John, as my brother, you can continue calling me whatever you want. Excellent. Um, but I, yes, my professional name, as in when I you see my name in credits or whatever, is Elizabeth Patton. But like, we're all friends here. Us and, I guess, the River Vixens. Yeah, I, the River Vixens need to know what to call you. They need to know because, I don't know. Guys, I, <laughs> I don't know. Beth, I have no answer are, for that. I feel like I mention you a lot on the show as just like, no, my sister's a writer. She knows what's going on. It's, I Okay, so I do listen to the show. I listen to you guys, which I feel like I wouldn't necessarily have found the podcast if you were not my brother, mm. but... In listening to it, I probably would have kept listening to it had I found it, because I do find it. Oh, really? That's a huge compliment, actually. But wouldn't it have been weird when you kept hearing your name and you didn't know anyone who well, posted yeah, the that, that would be where it gets weird. But I, I have noticed <laughs> I get I get shout outs every now and then um, as as I don't know. I'm. The, the unofficial producer of this podcast, because John has my microphone that I gave him many years ago. And, You're our EP. Uh, the, the uh, I don't know, what like one of the industry people in our family, because John, you're industry too. Yeah, like, yeah. Really, we're all, we're all in this together. God help us. That's a bank curls us, actually. She's just writing all the checks for us. Every yeah, other, you're a big check. Wait, she's writing fun. checks for you? What? What? In the bunker. Beth, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because um, I think most people now have listened long enough that they know vaguely who you are and what you do. But obviously you're John's sister. But tell us about you. That is my claim to fame. I am John's sister, sister of the podcast. Um, And I am also a TV writer. Um, So John, God bless him, uh, plugged uh, Altered Carbon when that came out. So I wrote on season two of Altered Carbon. I've written on a show called The Oath that nobody watched because it was on Crackle, um, which was like a cop show. Uh, and then uh, Walking Dead, The World Beyond, which was supposed to premiere uh, Easter Sunday, but now is postponed, and I have no idea when it's going to premiere. Which is a shame, because uh, that whole first episode is about Easter. 
I mean, right? Is it really? <laughs> is this a joke? I mean, the dead are coming back to life. So he really, is, he is risen. It, you know. Oh um, my God. Was that going to yeah. be your promotion? I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> no, no. Really what it was is it, it was going to launch off the, the Walking Dead flagship show um, and, you know, start like they'd have their last episode and then our first episode would play to kind of give us a springboard because it's a new show. But with the shutdown with the uh, coronavirus, you may have heard of coronavirus. It's a thing Vaguely. that affects all of us, um, but it has affected this show. So they, um, they stopped The Walking Dead uh, one episode early and they're going to air that episode they didn't air at the start of the next season or half season. Oh, and really? They yeah, and they've delayed World Beyond to some time in the future uh, because they had to stop production on Walking Dead flagship and Fear the Walking Dead. And, you know, AMC cannot live without constant zombie content. So they don't want to hit a point where they don't have zombies to give to people. Can you so imagine? I think they're just holding our zombies close to their chest and then they will like... <laughs> but not too close. Like warm. You know, it sounds very dangerous to hold a zombie close to your chest. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, and now I am uh, working on a show called Umbrella Academy. So that is my entire professional resume for your listeners. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. I, a show about the invention of the first umbrella and the lines that changed <laughs> along about? the way. No, no, it's about the school of that inventor founded on developing umbrellas. Of course, of course. Yeah, it's it's really a deep dive into umbrellas in general, um, which has been a real learning curve for me. But right, it's also right. just like a like a sexy teen drama about hot teens and their umbrella designs. I'm so there, guys. I'm so so there. In the bunker. That's what I really need. I need a sexy teen drama. I mean, I guess Walking Dead is a teen drama. I'm very, I am very excited to front the world, the world beyond because I love a teen. That sounds bad. <laughs> I love a teen. Any teen will do. <laughs> yeah, erase that, scratch that from the record. But I feel like I, it's not up to the like sexy teen standard that is like Riverdale. Right. It's like I'll they're not it. just Your constantly having sexy sex. At all. They're not sexy. I'm sure they're sexy. Yeah, I'm sure they're I'm, just not constantly in the throes I'm, of sex. I'm with um, John. I'm like the a sexy teen is a genre, right? Like yeah, we for know sure. what falls in the sexy teen show. And like they have varying quality. They can be all over the board, but mostly they can be on the CW. Yes, that's true. <laughs> mostly mostly you know CW. You, see it, you know? Right, yeah. I love oh my god, what is like the new sexy teen show that I was watching that was really good it's actually it's really not a sexy teen show but I am not okay with this very good show oh yeah no that's not a sexy teen show not a sexy teen show no but I did love the ending um when well I won't spoil it but I've been thinking about that a lot as I'm in social quarantine but what other sexy teen shows have I been watching lately? I feel like there is like a new one I that I texted you out. about Nancy Drew the other yes, day. Yes, I um, love Nancy Drew. I know you're not as big of a fan, but loves Nancy Drew. I, I hate watch Nancy Drew. I oh, don't right? get how you can hate watch I it. I texted her this week because I was like, "This is the first episode of Nancy Drew I fully enjoyed from top to bottom." Was that I episode think- sixteen or seventeen? Was it the big reveal or was it the one after? I forget. 
Um, it is somebody dies at the end. Yes. Usually. Yes. One of the sexy ones. Yes. I mean, yes. they're all sexy, but like it had really good horror moments. It had really, a really cool like montage ending. Mm-hmm. There were strong emotional beats, like good performances across the board. There were sexy, sexy teens sexing. Oh. Uh, it was a good time. Do you know um, what I think the issue with Nancy Drew is, even though I love it and I'm very passionate about it, is that I think that they started out making you think that maybe the ghosts weren't real. And then they, like, maybe it was kind of, like, up in the air if the ghosts were real. And then it very quickly pivoted to, oh, they are absolutely real. Like, there is absolutely no question about that. Wait, the ghosts are real? Yeah, that's the biggest problem with Nancy Drew and, like, why I'm both fascinated and horrified by it is because in no way do I think a Nancy Drew show should be about ghosts. I think a lot of people feel that way. about actual ghosts, not metaphor ghosts, not, like, people dressing up as ghosts to, like do a Scooby-Doo type thing. It's just actually about ghosts. It's oh, like Sabrina. Yeah. And it's, it's about ghosts. not good because of it. Like I still think it's really good, but I do think that it does take a little bit away from her being a sleuth if she has like too many there's no supernatural. Right. Well, there's there, no there's, there's sleuthing to get to the next spooky ghost. Okay. And I love the spooky ghost. I really do because I like love a ghost. But I love a ghost, and I love a teen. And if it's a teen ghost, like it is a Nancy Drew, love it. But I love a ghost. I do I love think a it. Ghost. But I think, like, don't you agree that show would be so much more fun if they done what you wanted, where yes. they were <laughs> the the ghost was actually alive and like had an agenda and was like fucking with Nancy and her family. Well, absolutely, and that's the thing. It's like I guessed everything about the show but my hope spoiler guys i spoiled the show for myself in october but i guess everything but i had a secret hope that the thing that i thought would not be the exact thing that i thought and that instead would be not a supernatural twist and that was like my one hope so but like <laughs> i i love it but yes i totally understand that argument because i do feel like it would be stronger without not, or not it doesn't actually even have to have no supernatural elements i just feel like if it relied a little bit less on the ghosts like i think it either was a show about ghosts or a show that was nancy drew you know you could yeah. make a ghost show and not call it nancy drew or you could make nancy drew and like the ghosts turn out to be people like in scooby-doo I, do you think that maybe, and this is something that I, I actually don't know, but I do wonder if maybe Nancy Drew wasn't supposed to be such a heavy ghost show and instead was encouraged to be so to differentiate it from some of the other stuff on the network? You mean Riverdale? Because you have like, like Riverdale, but also like you have In the Dark was a good show. That's very um, yeah, but there's, straightforward there's ghosts crime. and supernatural and legacies and all that. That's stuff. fair. Yeah, I that's think fair. I, I think I being a mystery it, show and having ghosts be real are just inherently at odds with each other because a mystery show is all about solving the fact that those weren't real ghosts and that was a person doing a ghost thing. Well, yeah, they try and marry it as like the ghost is leading you down the path of this mystery to like find out what happened to the ghost, right? Yeah, Which pretty much. You in like supernatural or whatnot, they just don't base an entire season around it. But, Caitlin, I don't think, with the amount of ghostness, I feel like it had to be in the pitch for season one. Yeah, because there like, is, isn't yeah. something that, like, adapted into a second season or something. Like, it really feels like this was the pitch. It's like, 
Nancy Drew, but ghosts are real. It's a ghost story. In the bunker. As as we're all sitting in a quarantine, the thought that keeps coming around just seems to be, huh, Riverdale really missed a chance to get on this whole quarantine action back in back in season three. I mean, damn, yes, they could have had the quarantine episode before we all went into a quarantine. And now, can they can they do one after all this? Who's to say? It's so funny because they had the perfect opportunity to do a quarantine episode. Right. They could have set the tone, man. They could have really told us what quarantine was going to be. Which is crazy because now like... every writer in Hollywood is going to have their own pitch for their quarantine episode. I refuse to write anything coronavirusy, Like, <laughs> ever. Like, I will not. I will Except not do this. Except for today. We're going to pitch today... ideas for what should be in the quarantine episode of Riverdale. Yes. Okay. Fine. I will not wait, commit wait, anything wait, wait. to paper. Quarantine, like, the the episode, what was it, season three? Or quarantine, like, coronavirus today quarantine? I'm open to both. Yeah, I'm open to both <laughs> I as have well. some thoughts. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, Beth, what are you going to say happened in Riverdale that you can then incorporate into the season of the Umbrella oh Academy? Um, <laughs> so, I, I woke up yesterday morning and I texted John because I was like, I woke up and I immediately wrote down an entire A story for what Archie does during the coronavirus. <laughs> is it smart? Is it, is it smart and well thought out? Because um, then you should rewrite it. Oh, <laughs> smart and well thought out. Absolutely not. Okay, I expect uh, Archie to get it, into a fist fight during social distancing. John, do you Ooh. want me to, I, I will tell you the story of Archie. Tell me the story I, of Archie. I would love okay. to hear this. Okay, so so I I broke this out a little bit the way uh, we do in a writer's room in the sense that like we'll pick, we'll do it by character and come up with character stories or character beats. And then later you sort of blend them together. So you say like, oh, here's the Archie beat and we'll follow it with the Betty beat. And then we'll do, you know, Kevin Keller off somewhere so we can cut back to Archie but I'm just going to do them by character. So that's, uh, so Archie is the main one that I did. All right. I'm going to tell you a story. Yay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Tell us everything. Right. We come in on Archie and Veronica. She's really worried about the coronavirus. Archie's <laughs> just happy. It's kept them trapped so they can keep having sex. But eventually they get tired. Lying what? side by side, Archie asks if Veronica wants to listen to something or watch something on Netflix, but it quickly becomes clear they can't agree on anything. Veronica wants to watch The Crown. Archie thinks they should marathon the Fast and the Furious movies. There are <laughs> It's uncomfortable. Oh. Worried that if they have to talk to each other, they won't understand why they're dating. Archie breaks quarantine. He's going to find coronavirus and kick its ass. He has to infect everybody in Riverdale to do it. Oh, my God. That's painfully accurate. That's so accurate. But Archie doesn't know how to find coronavirus. So he goes to the sheriff. And he is like, what the fuck? Are you crazy? You could be spreading the virus as we speak. Not all carriers show symptoms. Go back inside. <laughs> that does not work for Archie. So Shocking. instead, he goes to find Betty and Jughead in the bunker, making sure to touch at least 12 hard surfaces on the way. 
Oh, I imagine him licking the palms of his hands to yeah, slick yeah, yeah. back his lick, hair. Lick, actually licking like a like a crosswalk too. Oh, He's like no. I should touch this with my hands. Like eh. uh. God bless him. God bless him, guys. I he knows know, not what know. he do. He's he's my favorite dummy. Like I had so much fun doing this because I love him. Um okay. So he goes down and he meets with Betty and Jughead, who are holed up in the bunker, because of course they are. Um and they already have a huge conspiracy board going. Bats, masks, ghoulies, Hiram Lodge, all the team <laughs> leaders having seizures that we forgot about that time. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah drugs in the water supply. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Did they ever remove the drugs from the water supply? Because I, think I don't they may think have removed easy. the water supply. It's all just rum <laughs> now. There's no more Sweetwater River, but there's still drugs. Right, of um, course. Okay. Yeah. God forbid. So, but Betty and Jughead have already found the source of the virus they know who patient zero was it was kevin keller oh my god finally <laughs> he, at he least he gets something back. sorry kayla at least he gets something to do yeah infection so he, everyone he was out in the gay woods and then came back with a fever so whatever the source <laughs> of the virus off. is out there <laughs> um you're telling me archie so, has to fight the gay woods <laughs> oh it gets better yeah uh, this is my audition to write for Riverdale. Anyone involved in Riverdale, please contact me. Um, so Archie, Jughead, Betty, and Veronica, who's suddenly here for some reason, venture into the gay woods and find the spot Kevin said he caught the virus. And then slowly, from behind the trees, there's movement. It's a bear. No, wait. It's a bear in a man suit. <laughs> no! <laughs> yes! Finally! <laughs> Archie always knew it would come to this. <laughs> Does he have pants on? The bear? What's a man suit? You have to imagine it, Caitlin. But I imagine like a like disembodied like man face sort of like flopping over the bear's eyes. That's absolutely <laughs> horrifying. And My it's God. disgusting. It's Bearvid 19. <laughs> exactly. Oh. That bear is the source of coronavirus, and Archie knows it, and he tells the bear he's going to stop now. And the bear roars in response. Uh, <laughs> so, of course, Archie charges at the bear, and they get into it. They start fighting. Archie's using his boxing skills. The bear is being a bear. <laughs> the bear gets Archie to the ground, leaving a matching scar on the other side of his chest. No, not another permanent scar. <laughs> Yet another permanent mark on Archie's body. Uh, the man mask is flopping over the bear's eyes, staring down at Archie, animal teeth emerging from underneath. Archie looks beat. He's done. But then Veronica calls out to him. He can do this. He can beat this infectious disease. All at once, Archie feels his strength returning, and he puts all of it into one final punch. It hits the bear under the jaw. The corona man-bear stumbles, dizzy, then collapses. Archie did it. What no healthcare worker has managed to do, he defeated coronavirus. He saved us all. Archie and the gang celebrate over the ambiguously dead bear. (laughs) (laughs) This bear would be so scary. (laughs) <laughs> then Archie goes home, has a heartfelt talk with his mom about his how his dad would be proud of him, and then has sex with Veronica. 
end of episode. So coronavirus is just gone. He, it has, he solved it. Yeah, he beat he, it thank up. Thank God. Coronavirus. In the bunker. Like, I can't believe you just, you just pitched an episode that makes all my dreams come true all at once. <laughs> yep. Yep. This is pretty and good. The most disturbing part of it was I was like, you know, it just doesn't feel that far off. Yeah, it's not honestly that far. No. I mean, all the character beats are there. Like, the emotional moments, those are those are on point. <laughs> but I don't think they would ever suggest that Archie and Veronica have nothing in common because... I think they're even afraid to go there. See, this was this is uh, what I was I was actually thinking something similarly is like if they did a real coronavirus quarantine episode, Hiram would buy like all of the toilet paper and paper towels in all of Riverdale and it would disgust Veronica so much that she would leave the Pembroke and take enough of those supplies with her so she could stay with Archie and his mom. And when she stayed with Archie and his mom, their relationship would fall apart because they realize they have nothing to do while they're home together all day and are tired of having sex all the time. But then, because she wouldn't be able to leave, it would just go so long that what's the what's the thing where like a, a, a prisoner falls in love with their cat? Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, they get Stockholm syndrome, and you do a love story where they fall in love with each other again until they're until they're just exactly where they were at the start of the episode. Don't you think that Veronica would be the beast, like in the Beauty and the Beast scenario of this? Like, she's the one with, like, the fancy library, and he's the one... Well, no, because that would mean Archie reads. No, but Archie um, Archie lived in a prison cell, so, like, he can handle this, but she wouldn't be able to handle this. He's, like, Maurice, the dad, but, like, not good at inventing things. <laughs> I think Veronica yeah, I... would put so much effort into helping everyone else in town, just because her father wouldn't, that she would get sick herself. In my version of this, Cheryl and Veronica come up with, like, a toilet paper alternative, <laughs> and then they make a bunch of money that way, <clears throat> and then eventually somehow, like, a performance of Work Bitch by Britney Spears is done. Oh. So, that's sort of my, <laughs> my version of wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. Did they do a musical performance over Zoom for the entire town? Oh, I would love that. I yes. would watch a Zoom episode of Riverdale. Like, that I would be that actually would be really fun. Holy, that would actually, be a really, really fun. That thing. feels like something. Like they if everybody would do, could like, be in character. If they did like a, a a desktop screen episode of Riverdale, like uh like that movie Unfriended. I want a new Unfriended right now because now is the time. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, now is the time. Now is the time. Somebody has to write the next Unfriended, and then film it, and then. And then, and then give it to Caitlin. Next week. Yes. I, it would you be know excellent. what? I think those desktop movies are about to be more popular than they could have ever been. I thought I was the only person who enjoyed them, so this is exciting for me. I really like searching. I, yeah, I love searching. Cool. We saw that together. I dragged John and Stephen to see searching. Right, yeah. I was so excited to see that movie, and I felt like nobody else wanted to see it, and then I was just like, guys, let's just go see it, and then we did. That's my interesting story. Yeah. As a rule Nothing. Of thumb, I see anything that John Cho is in. Like, oh, yeah. He's great. I love him. He's yeah. not in that much, though. Like, if you haven't seen Columbus, like, he's not a really beautiful performance by him. What is that movie about? I don't think I've actually even heard of it. Um, it's, it's definitely, like, one of those sort of slower, more introspective indie kind of movies. But basically, uh, it's this man whose um, father is an architecture professor uh, and is in the hospital and potentially dying. Um, and he sort of 
comes to town but is reluctant to see his father because they have a bad relationship. And so he ends up bonding with this girl and they go around. Um, it's not Columbus, Ohio. It's a different Columbus. And I'm <laughs> completely blanking on what it is right now. But it, it's famous for this sort of brutalist architecture. So there's all of these interesting buildings and they kind of are like half talking about the buildings and half talking about emotions, but it's a very like reserved performance. And I think it's really beautiful. In the bunker. Beth, do you have any more characters, uh, quarantine well, games? I had my own thought on Veronica, uh, but I really like yours. Um, I was thinking that she is like an entrepreneur and decides to take advantage of the situation by setting up their own food delivery service. Mm. I didn't come up with a name for it, so if you have a good one. But what, like, what do they call the rum? Red Raven rum? Red Raven rum. Red I was going to say, like, could it be like as the crow flies or as the raven flies? Mm. Yeah, that would work. Like that. But like, so they're doing food delivery, and then my thought was like, Hiram gets wind of this, and he's like, what an amazing idea. Like, we should do this together, Miha. I love you so much. Pat, <laughs> and basically, like, steals it out from under her. And so she's sort of, like, into the praise because she loves the praise. And, like, it's an uneasy partnership. But then uh, she checks in on the delivery service and finds out that they're not shifting groceries. They're shifting jingle jangle. It's just drugs. Everyone just doing drugs in quarantine. Who needs food? You got drugs. Right. And then my, so like Veronica is like furious. And so she goes and confronts Hiram, which does absolutely nothing. Um, And then I was like, maybe in a twist, Hiram has no idea what she's talking about. And then like Hermione like emerges and is like, it was me. Because I don't know what she's doing, guys. Like, yeah. I want to give her... Like, Great question. Leaving the show. She's, she's probably drinking more wine than ever before. Probably. I mean, she's got real strong wine mom credentials, for sure. But, like, I want... It's not that I hate the parent storylines. Like, I, I actually like all the parent actors. It's that I don't feel like they're used in ways that are fun. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they're like, not. They're used in ways where they suck the fun away. Like, <laughs> except for Alice, honestly, because oh, sometimes Alice, I, I find love Alice. <laughs> I love Alice. I find that she is the most fun when she's just being like completely inconsistent. But like, how did they take her to cult and back? <laughs> yep. Well, they took her to the cult, and then they gave her a good reason. I mean, good reason is maybe not accurate, yeah, but a reason, right. a reason for her to be so crazy that kind of, sort of, kind of made sense. And now they just made her, like, a nut job again, but, like, no reason behind it. So that's fun. Yeah. Okay, this this relates to something. So I want to know what you guys think Betty's quarantine story is. Because we got a lot of players in that house right now. Yeah. You know what I, my dream story is for her? And this is just more like if it was, like, a bottle episode TV show than it was really, like, a quarantine episode. I would love to put her, like, lock her in the basement with Jellybean because Jellybean clearly fucking hates Betty. Like, the way Jughead feels about Kevin is how Jellybean feels about Betty. And I just would love to hear them, like, hash it out. And I would love for Jellybean to just, like, get really real with Betty 
and just tell her all the reasons why she thinks that Betty is like a problem for her family. Even if it's maybe not fair, like, you know, that jelly bean is like, why are you dragging my brother into situations where he's almost murdered by like a variety of different players? Like we shouldn't trust your older brother in the FBI. He's shady as fuck. Weren't you a cam girl at one point? Are we ever going to go back to that and just have jelly bean like, Hold really? on, Jellybean, Jellybean worked with her mother to sell drugs in the town, and then no one ever talked about that either. That's true, that's very fair. So wait, Caitlin, does, is it like the sort of story that ends with them closer together, or is it the sort of story that ends with, like, Betty holding a lighter to Jellybean's face in the dark? <laughs> like, like, don't threaten me, bitch. In the Riverdale that I see on television, I feel like it ends with them closer together. But then at the end, like the last beat is you think that Betty and like Betty and Jellybean are like chill. But the like last beat is that you see like Betty calling uh, Jellybean, like calling her mom and being like, yeah, she thinks that we're all cool. Like, and then they never come back to it. (laughs) And it never, ever happened. Like nothing ever. Gina, like never comes back. Classic dangling Riverdale plot. Right. 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 And the mom will come back and they'll just never talk about that one scene. Exactly. Yeah. And then, like, people will tweet at Roberto about it, and then it will go unanswered for the rest I was, of the time. I was thinking that Alice, because Alice would be working from home, that Betty would be so overwhelmed by having her mom just constantly in the house all the time that she would bail and go, go stay with Jughead during this. But where is Jughead? In the bunker? Great question. Um, yeah, because Jughead technically lives in that house, too. So they probably both would go to live in the bunker. Do they? Okay, now that he's not at Stonewall Prep, do they share a bedroom? I know, I was wondering that too. How big is this house? It's funny, Riverdale kind of dodged that whole like teen marriage thing that uh, One Tree Hill had by just having the parents Uh, get married so that, oh, now these kids just live together. They're a couple. I was thinking about how many shows have the parents of the main love interests like get married. Happened on the OC, Gossip Girl. Did One Tree Hill do it? I feel like One Tree Hill did it. Or maybe not. Maybe I can't think of it. Definitely happened on the OC. Definitely happened on Gossip Girl. Um, See, it's fun when Mars. it's Veronica Mars and the two best yeah. friends have their parents start to hook up. And then they're like, ew, gross. But also, we could be well, siblings. But they also did the love interest thing on Veronica Mars. Because Duncan Kane's father and Veronica's mom. Yeah, um, that was not. So you yeah. don't see it in real time, but it ends up being like a whole plot point that they see, were involved. Right, but Veronica's mom is the worst. Horrible gonna happen to FP because I don't know. Like, <clears throat> if if Machin Amic is staying on the show and FP is leaving, something's gotta go down, right? If well, if are it we were sure me, she's staying? I would have something bad happen to FP if I were writing the show. I mean, but the also, only thing we just is, lost a parent for real, so, like, maybe yeah. we can't kill any parents now. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm like, it also feels something kind of gross about, like, having a big funeral that you probably would have for FP, like, a big, like, dramatic thing, when we know about, like, Fred, and, like, Fred didn't right, get any flashbacks, obviously. Season. Yeah. yeah. I right. mean, I think... Time jump. And Archie will be sheriff. Oh, that's oh my a great god, idea. That's, that's a, a really good idea. idea. 
Like, I, I love a time jump also, but... <laughs> explain I love how anyone jump. elected him, but... I, I mean... I feel really <laughs> confident in a time jump. If they don't do a time jump, I will be shocked, because I won't know what, what there's left to mine in this in this weird age range the kids are in. Yeah. yeah. And to defer all of their college dreams seems a little extreme. I mean, like, you can always invent the college in the town, right? Lots of shows do that. Right. But, it, like, it sure does I would be really, really sad to see not just, like, Betty or whoever, but, like, Betty, Jughead, and Veronica all, like, not get to live their dreams and, like, go to college. Like, that's just depressing. It is. Know? It is depressing. Like, Archie's dreams are Riverdale, so, like, I don't care if he doesn't go to college. He's destined but, to like, become his own father. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I think that One Tree Hill did the time jump, and it became such a stronger show for it. Like, not that it was stronger than the previous seasons of One Tree Hill, but that doing the time jump, like, just breathes new necessary life into a show that could have so easily just been, like, Peyton or Brooke. Brooke or Peyton. Like, let's just do this again. Car accident. Right. You know, visions of Keith. Like, it could have just been that, like, over and over and over again until Chad Michael Murray eventually left. And, I mean, he does leave, I guess, in, like, two seasons into the time jump. But it just felt like it became about something else entirely. Like, these people, like looking at their high school dreams and seeing what they could achieve and what they can't and like having some characters get really dark about like all the resentments that they have. Like that was like the best One Tree Hill's ever been. And so like, I want to see that for Archie. Like I want to see Nathan, like I want to see a broken man that Archie becomes. In the bunker. Favorite things about TV in general is its relationship to time. And it, you know, we have so many episodes in a TV show that that is a larger amount of time than like a feature film or whatnot. But then you have series that go on for many years, like something like Grey's Anatomy has become the time capsule, right? And like you've watched these people literally age for like 16 years. Or like Law and Order, you can watch the advancement of computers through law and order, through the kinds they have on their desks, where they're placed in the office. So you can watch computers rise to prominence and like become the laptops we have today. Like it is, it is, that is interesting. It's really interesting. And then similarly, you can do these things like a time jump or whatnot that doesn't work the same way in like a film. And honestly doesn't even work the same way in a book. You can do it in a book, but you're not seeing it visually. So you can do these really amazing sort of time storytelling, like you're saying in uh, uh, One Tree Hill, or even like you can do a small one, like Veronica Mars, they just skipped the summer. Yeah. One and two. And they were able to just reset their status quo. And then like it gave them a whole engine to move forward. But I, I like things that take time. I like, I'm not a binge culture person. Like, I, I I do binge TV, but I love things that come out weekly and take time and force you to think about it. Like, that's my favorite kind of TV. So, of course, I'd never worked on a network Yeah, show. I was going to say, I was like, yeah. I was like, you've actually worked on both. Everything well, you've, yeah. you've worked on is Switch at Birth, when I worked with Switch at Birth, that aired on a weekly basis. That's true. Yeah, you've done both. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, the thing, I like watching a binge show because obviously, like, I like, if I love a show... The, the fact that I can just watch it 
you know, consistently is nice in the moment. But like I, what I really liked, and I know I talk about Pretty Little Liars with you guys, like endlessly. Wait, off do you like Pretty Little on. Liars, Caitlin? I love PLL. But the thing that was my favorite about that show, and the thing that drove me absolutely fucking insane about it, like to the point where I felt like I was thinking about that show more than was ever necessary, was that you could really think about it and you could really go back and you could really like pause something and then like go on Reddit and like analyze it and be like, what did this line mean? Like blah, blah, blah. And like with mystery shows, I feel like the thing that we miss now with a lot of like bingeable shows is that you just totally miss like the ability to think about things. I mean, I think that's why. And like obsess about it or even like the John was talking about, like they had all this supplemental material you could read between episodes. Mm -hmm. So there's just all like, you really engage. Like I watched PLL for the entire run, much like Kaylin. And uh, I had a text chain with some friends (laughs) and we would rate the parents we'd rate the clothes we'd have theories like we and this went on for like seven years of constant conversation which i think is really impressive although they did one of the worst time jumps in my opinion that how long was that time jump that they Uh did was it five years i think it was like too short of a time they skipped college so it it was about Four or five years. Is this the one where everyone's dating someone else and they all have their dream jobs? Yes. Yes. And then they all give up their dream jobs in favor of getting married at like 23. And it's it's like really, it's like, uh, I found it a very feminist show for the entire run up until like the last season. Really the last scene. (laughs) Like the last scene was like Hannah's like I'm pregnant and Lucy I was like I am adopting a baby and all pregnancy and babies it was it was just so upsetting to me because if you look at the age that those girls are supposed to be not the age of the actresses yeah like they're all supposed to be like 23 and that's even an overestimation that the like all of them is like dating and babies for Mm -hmm. all of them like, that just was deeply upsetting to me. And, like, they just I got out such... of years of trauma. Yeah, I mean, maybe they just needed something to hold on to, guys. Yeah. <laughs> They've come in through some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was such a Spoby shipper, Spencer and Toby, but, like, seeing Spencer want to be with Toby after, like, everything and, like, having to give up, like, so much of herself to, like, be with a small-town boy, I was like, uh... So, like, he's just, like, a carpenter in a small town. Like, yeah. she could give up all of her dreams and aspirations to just, like, hang out with him in the small town? I think not. In the bunker. At least if you were looking at, like, Riverdale, Betty and Jughead are pretty evenly matched in that they both sort of, like, want to get out and do something, and they'll both inevitably be drawn back. Mm. But Veronica and Archie... That is like the Spencer Toby thing. Like, yeah, for sure. She has a world that she is waiting for her, and he does not. And we've never really explored that. Like, Archie, every time Archie visited her world, it was all mob movie context and not like social status stuff. Like, everyone in her world is evil, so we know Archie's good. Yeah. I, I think that the difference between season one Veronica and season four Veronica or even really season two Veronica is that in season one 
they were like, she is Blair Waldorf. And then in season four, it's like, she's like the daughter of like a crime lord. Well, I always think about, uh, she was introduced as like, I stand by my father. And then over the course of season one, realized, oh, my dad might be a bad guy. And then her father arrives at the start of season two, shrouded in darkness. And then (laughs) literally, like, like the rest of the show is... Like, ugh, I hate my dad, but I also can't get rid of my dad, and he's just so evil, and, like... But if he doesn't approve of me, I will die. (laughs) All of that obsession with her father. I mean, I think he should die in this Thank you. And then I think, again, I want to time jump, and I want to come back with Veronica and Hermosa fighting over controlling the mob that Hiram used to run. That would like, be interesting. I, I, yeah, I think that's also maybe the way if we, it's going. If we ever with the knew anyone parents. else in his mob. Well, that like again, maybe they could do something with that and like open up some story area there. But it's just like I don't mind introducing like a secret sister that you've never heard of. Although the show has a lot of siblings you've never heard of, uh, perhaps <laughs> too many. Uh, but like, uh, I, no soup head though. Here, if she's gonna be here, I want it to be. Like, let's invest in the rivalry, right? Like, let's yeah. get to know her. Let's have moments where they bond, moments where they split apart, and then drive a huge wedge between them and mm. have them fight it out. Like, that, to me, would be so fun. Um, it would have been so fun to bring them together, and then, like, you actually kind of root for, like, their siblinghood, and then, like, something happens where suddenly it's, like, it breaks, and then you actually feel like, oh, like now yeah. I feel this. You, that would have been cool. You feel the connection, right? And like this family thing, especially because she's so distant from her dad, like right now, and her mom, they, she's always like quitting the family and then coming back. So like give her someone to bond with and then like have something very real come between them. That, that would be so much fun. That would actually be really interesting if she and Hermosa really got along and then something went wrong with it instead of being like Veronica's entire family are antagonists in her life. I kind of just wish she wasn't a secret sibling and she was just like maybe an estranged daughter that like kind of came back into the fold and then maybe you could even do like a funny joking thing like oh yeah of course like even Betty could have been like oh my god the famous Hermosa that I've you know that like you've been talking about forever and that could have been like, there's no reason to explain why you haven't mentioned her. It was an because odd choice to make all of the kids effectively only children as the show started. Like we've read, we've read the pilot script, and uh, what's her name? Uh, Polly was around in it. Yeah, and they cut her out so that Betty would also be basically an only child when that show began. I'll bet that was a cost thing too. I mean, I, I know they did it to like open up another avenue of mystery. But, like, also, you have to pay everybody you see on screen, right? So they were like, they're all only children and definitely no kids under 18, mm-hmm. you know? And look at us now. <laughs> I do think it's crazy, though. And, like, not crazy in a bad way, necessarily. Just crazy that they did that whole storyline with Chick and then brought in Charles. Like, Charles was my pick for Betty's quarantine story. Like, Oh, yeah, wait. Let's like, talk about I that. I want her trapped in the house with Charles. And, like, she tries to break quarantine to go see Jughead and like Charles stops her in a way that's like unnecessarily creepy like Riverdale likes to do and it makes Betty steal his phone and go through it like he takes her phone so she steals his phone and then she sees all these calls to like Hiram's private for profit prison and she's like (laughs) oh my god what's going on here and then she like 
fakes out Charles and runs away from him. Like this would be a good opportunity to like get some of that Charles shit out in the open. Yeah, there's just like a Charles shaped shadow hanging over everything in this season right now. Do you think that he is really in love with Chick or do you think this is like another ploy? Like, do you think they're dating or do you think he's like fooling him in order to get someone? Do you think he likes me? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't even know from the perspective of like, like being a writer. Like if I were asked to write this show, I have no idea what his motivation could possibly be regarding Chick. Like I am, you guys are both writers. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, but like, I, it blows my mind. Like I have no idea if he like, just, I can't imagine it being genuine, but also there's no other explanation that makes sense to me. Right. No, it just seems like so It doesn't sad. make sense. And it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's a new thing, new and interesting that we haven't done before on this show. I really haven't been thinking about it. Well, I've just been waiting been for thinking them about to it mess constantly. it up. I started thinking about it in terms of like, like, so John, when you had your annual meltdown on this podcast, which mm. usually happens like about this episode, right yeah, before February, the musical. February, March, yeah, uh, right before the musical episode is right when, is musical, when I have my lowest point. John loses all <laughs> faith in Riverdale and like has a complete meltdown. Right, but like, talk about the part of it was, was that Jughead's plot resolved, right? And so you're like, what's, what's left? What's next? And I was like, okay, the only dangling threads are the videotapes of everyone's front doors and Charles, right? Like, that's what's left. So maybe there's something there. I guess we'll find out, you know, if they ever finish this season. I I think I know that one, actually. Charles and Chick, they they are together. And Chick really wants to give up the life of crime. And Charles wants to start an HGTV show, a, uh, like a, like a, like a home, like, like, like they want to do like a, like a flipping homes type show. So they're getting some B-roll footage of everyone's houses and they want to send it to all everyone to make sure that like, we, we want, we want your approval to use this as B-roll, but Chick forgot to send the paperwork with it all. So now everyone's like really confused and creeped out. Yeah. Yeah. I have a name for the show. What's it called? Out of the big house <laughs> into the small suburban house. Out of the big house is the title. You don't need the rest of it. <laughs> into the small suburban house. It's, right, right. It's not just, it's it's about getting ex-cons into new suburban homes. Oh, I, I mean, love that. What a great pitch for a TV show. It's really admirable, honestly. I don't know. I don't know if there's like a local TV channel in Riverdale. Like who who has been playing Alice's terrible documentary for everyone? <laughs> I she could <laughs> make that for the internet. Come on. Imagine truly not knowing Jughead was alive, knowing that he's your boyfriend's son and your daughter's boyfriend <laughs> and still making that deeply insensitive documentary i mean that john did you reference to die for when you were talking about this i don't think we, so. that was the name of the episode oh yeah. that's right okay that's why it came up yeah because it is the level of insensitive is nicole kidman into die for, <laughs> which is like like they really nailed it that's what that whole like if, if you're like oh it's inconsistent for alice it's like no they just leaned into nicole kidman into die for which is a fantastic film mm-hmm. and who just that's... not breathe without seeing themselves on television so they create stuff to have themselves be on television that's also the movie that i told ian i wanted to watch 
we were talking about movies like to watch in quarantine and I was like that's a movie that we said that we were gonna watch it has one of the best final shots you will ever see I promise you don't Is spoil it? it for yourself it's Gus Van Zandt right I didn't make that up no I think so in the bunker guys I have one I had two other thoughts on quarantine because we Please. didn't talk about Hit it. Me. Uh, my thought is that Jughead uh, rallies the Southside Serpents to do free meal delivery from the only restaurant in town, Pops. Right, of Because, course. again, they don't really function so much as a gang as, like, resource and outreach. But they all so, definitely but, have masks. But what's most important is all of them are breaking quarantine and touching everything <laughs> during all of this. Uh, and then Cheryl... I had basically nothing uh, except I, have an idea for Cheryl. I just wrote, wrote Cheryl hunts Corona vampires trying to <laughs> pass on the virus is on the tail of Archie the whole time. I don't know. I figure Cheryl definitely does not leave uh, Thistle House during during all of this and also does not let Tony leave. Of course, Tony is her slave now, so she'll do whatever. Uh, but I think she would also organize like a uh, a house party, uh, whatever that app is, house party or a Zoom, like like a big a big Zoom event where she would get Josie oh. to like sing from wherever Josie is now. Does no one show up? Hmm? Does no one show up to her Zoom oh, event? No, I think she'd do sad. fine. I think it would be like a legitimately nice moment where everyone's like, okay. oh, we're connected for a little bit, even though we're in different houses. But can nice. My other thought was so much bleaker. I want to know. Like she. And her mom fall through like a trap door in Thistle House, and then like only one of them can survive. So wow. Cheryl like prepares to kill her mom, and then Tony just like opens the door and is like, "Where were you?" That's like, very funny. They both know they would have murdered each other. Like they were both ready to do it to like have the air to survive. Mm. So you have Cheryl. Was there somebody else that you do we had have a, a Jughead one? Well, I said Jughead has the the serpents doing like food delivery, but right. like I didn't right. really have a full. Like jug thing. Um, what would what would they say Kevin is doing, but then never show him doing for the rest of the episode? <laughs> I mean, obviously, he came back from the gay woods and is patient zero for coronavirus, but that's about as much as we can get. Kevin wait, in wait, yeah, hold on. So Cheryl's he's like plot, Cheryl's plot, Cheryl's plot could have something to do with Nana Blossom. You could actually do she a really great dies? story of Nana Blossom and Penelope Blossom dealing with their own stuff because now Nana Blossom's life is in like jeopardy. Oh god! Oh, or, too real. Or is Nana fine and she's just like, "This isn't the first time a plague has come to Riverdale." <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember when Wouldn't I survived be- the Black Plague. <laughs> It would be really fun if you could do an entire coronavirus episode, but, like, instead of it being about coronavirus, it's, like, coronavirus is in the present, but then Nana Blossom just tells a story about, like, the first time a plague hit Riverdale, Ooh. and then you have all the kids playing their great-great-grandparents. Ooh, in, like, black and white? Yeah, that would, that would be, be so fun. fun. That would be, yeah, that'd be fun. I would have want to have uh, one kid suggest that they all play Griffins and Gargoyles over Zoom, and another kid say, I don't know what that is. Wait, like... They're not going to play it because they forgot completely. Yeah, everyone has completely forgot forgotten what Griffiths and Gargoyles is. It's gone. And then they play Trivia Murder Party instead. Sure, yeah, they can play Jackbox <laughs> if they want. Do we have any more quarantine thoughts? Should I was we go thinking, into what like, do we doing? have anything for Mad Dog and Sad Dog? Uh, oh. oh, man. I mean, somebody's got to run that boxing gym situation. Like, are they right. giving out, oh, like, Archie are, are they doing virus testing? 
Yeah. I think that gym is closed, you guys. Wait, no, is, think... it, is it a triage center like they made the Javits yeah, Center? Archie would definitely like, turn it into a medical center. Yeah, that's cute. I mean, that's, like, upsetting because of it's real, but that would be sweet if, like, they all came together to, like, help everybody and then... Archie's like, I can never leave Riverdale now. I'm such well, a necessary part of this community. And then he turns like, around and says, I have to fight a bear. Right, <laughs> Excuse exactly. Me. Archie would set this up and then immediately leave. <laughs> Bye. Right, like Mad Dog There's would be like, don't worry, I'll take costume. care of it. You go have a plot. And then he'll go and have a plot. Mm-hmm. Are we never going to revisit the fact that Mad Dog may or may not be addicted to drugs? No, we're never going to revisit that. That Are was we like my ever going to see fear. Archie's terrible uncle again? Of the of no. the secret ultramarines, the secret ultramarine plot was just to get the Punisher into Riverdale, which I thought was like truly wild. And again, technically not the Punisher, and not even the Punisher. I don't know even really know what the Punisher is, though it has been explained to me. But still weird, right? The whole thing was weird. He's just a Marvel character. It's not that hard to understand. He's the gun superhero, Caitlin. The gun superhero. But He's does he have powers or not no, at all? No, powers are guns. Okay. He just guns shoots people. are bad, usually, so disappointing. But, okay. In the bunker. This weekend, I'm, I binged all of Twin Peaks The Return. Fun. Uh, which I, when it first came out, I watched like four episodes of and kind of dropped out. And now I'm like finally finishing it. And it's very interesting. It doesn't quite capture what I loved about the original Twin Peaks because I think it's so much less of a melodrama, you know? There's Mm -hmm. much less um, character interaction and, like, romances and subplots and, like, Weird Town because it's all this sort of mystery and you spend less time with some of the characters that you really love, especially uh, Dale Cooper, who is my favorite character, one of my all-time favorite characters, and, like, because of the way the mystery is set up, you really, you see the actor a lot, but you don't spend time with that character, which is like sad. But the more I've watched it, the more I'm sort of obsessed with the way Twin Peaks, especially the new Twin Peaks talk, like shows communication, which is like okay. a thing to be obsessed with, I know, but very me. Uh, because it's it's very much like you... There's a lot of um, long silences and people like just sitting there and listening to someone tell a very long story, like in a way where they you really feel like that character gets validated because they are listened to, even if what they're saying sounds nuts. You know, like there's yeah. a moment where this where um, Hawk kind of goes, "This will make sense when I show you my map. Here is my map." And then he goes on and explains the whole map. And you're like, that's just not how TV is written. But the sheriff sitting next to him sits there and listens to him and lets him do the whole map. And is like, that. it's very respectful in a way. And then simultaneously, they'll do like arguments between like a husband and wife. And it's always somebody just like shrieking at the other person. So you're like just people not communicating at all, like all one-sided Often crazy women yelling at stoic men, which I don't love. Yeah, uh, that sounds problematic, but it's that part's not great. But it is sort of interesting in the sense of again on the communication theme. And then there's a whole thing going on with one character who like barely speaks, so everyone just like fills in the blanks for him, 
And like you get to see what everyone is about by the way they fill in the blanks for this character, even though he just sort of is like there. He's kind of it's he's a sexy lamp, sort of <laughs> like project shit onto him. Like the thing I wanted to do the return because I think David Lynch is like the most emotionally intelligent filmmaker that we have in that the plot almost does not matter. But yeah, he can make you feel whatever he wants you to feel. If he wants you to feel afraid, you'll feel afraid. If he wants you to feel like emotional, you'll feel emotional. Uh, but you'll also be like, I don't know what's happening, um, <laughs> which is a skill. It's really interesting. What did you think of Mulholland Drive? Have you seen Mulholland Drive? I like Mulholland Drive. I love Mulholland Drive. Yeah. I I think it's really interesting to watch something like uh, Mulholland Drive and then watch like a straight story, which are mm-hmm. like two completely different David Lynch's, you know? I um, Have you seen Eraserhead? Because that fucked me up so much. Did <laughs> it? Yeah, so much. And I love horror, but like movies like Eraserhead, and I, I really like David Lynch and I really like that movie, but movies like Eraserhead, that shit like gets under my skin, just like not even like the body horror, but like just like the, I don't know if you would even call it like the chicken scene. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even eat chicken, <laughs> like, well, but like it, that stuff. That's what and, I'm saying. Like you can watch horror and like, like kind of enjoy death scenes right mm-hmm. like yes fun. for sure it's funny sometimes like that's what saw is in many ways or like something like happy death day where you like watch all those death scenes and then love like it montage david lynch does not do that like no. you can watch blue velvet or Eraserhead or something like that like he will make you feel it in a way that's very uncomfortable uh yeah um on the lighter side, the other series that I'm obsessed with right now is Brockmire. I've never seen it. Don't actually know anything about it. Right. Neither did I until like day two of quarantine. And <laughs> I read an article and I was like, what is Brockmire? And I read this article and I was like, okay, I'll give that a shot. It's Hank Azaria as like a washed up baseball announcer. Okay. Random. Yeah. There were three seasons on Hulu and then the fourth one's airing right now. Uh, it is, it's on IFC. Like, Maybe I that's why. No, I, I got IFC, but I do. And uh, it is so funny. Like, like it's joke per minute ratio is super high. And like, I love this character. Like he's, he's like, in the pilot, you find out he's this like moderately famous baseball announcer who like really, really loves his wife. Like that's like his whole deal. He's like silly suits. And he loves baseball and he loves his wife. And then he walked in on his wife having like group sex in his house with his neighbor. And like he freaks out and goes to the baseball stadium and then just like spills all of his personal baggage over the microphone while announcing plays. So he'll be like, like. And the ground ball to third base. And my wife also got to third base with my neighbor, Bob. Like that kind of thing without missing a beat. And so they like take him out of baseball. And this is about him coming out, uh, coming back like 10 years later to like, I think like Morristown, Pennsylvania, like a really shitty minor league team and him trying to like claw his way back up. And he's like a total alcoholic drug addict with like a crazy crazy life um but over the course of the series it's very much about like addiction and how to deal with it and and how to live with it and it's really thoughtful and lovely 
And now in season four, they jumped uh, 10 years into the future where it's like 20, 20, 30. And man, uh, the world is ending in so many ways that now it feels too real. Yeah. <laughs> like they're oh. experiencing like global war, like baseball is dying because the temperature outside, like the lows are like 120 degrees. Jesus so Christ. No one, will, no one will stay outside. Oh my God. They're like, Selling, it's upsetting. There's all these fake commercials where they were like, he's the spokesperson for a drug called cholera, which if you look at it is just cholera. <laughs> like, so like love in the giving, time of. Giving people cholera in order to uh, like expand their ability to remember content, which is apparently a side effect. Uh, it's just it's so smart and very funny. Highly recommend. That's so fun, but also sad, and I don't know if I could handle it right now. <laughs> Just watch the first three seasons. You can handle those, I promise. In the I find myself in a weird space where I can't get myself to commit to anything right now. Like, oh, I'm really good John. at keeping up with shows as they come out. But I'm not really great at just, like, picking one and jumping into it and catching up on it. So, like, thank God there's there's new episodes of Harley Quinn happening weekly that I'm, like, kind of excited about because that show's really good. Even if it is on DC Universe, the most niche streaming service in the universe. Uh, but yeah, do you have to pay for about, that? Uh, Beth pays for that. I do. Oh, thanks, Beth. <laughs> thanks, Beth. Uh... So, like, I got really excited to have, a, like, movies to watch. I think I want to spend this time watching movies. And, like, I just did the whole Star Trek marathon that I need to turn to a blog post and stuff. But, like, I don't know. I'm feeling a little lost for stuff to watch. I've been reading. Uh, the roommate started reading Watchmen. I started reading Supreme. And I've been reading uh, a comic or a manga series called Akira that's kind of, like, a big deal also right now. Why do I know that? Why Akira? do I know that? Akira yeah. is this is this uh, series that they turn into an anime film in I think the eighties uh, that looks amazing. It's on Hulu in Japanese and in English, and Hollywood has been trying to make a live action adaptation forever. Uh, so many names have been attached to this one point or another. Most recently, Taika Waititi, who did um, oh, cool. the the newest Thor and and Hunt for the Wilder People and uh, uh, Jojo Rabbit Shadows and Jojo Rabbit, uh, he was gonna do it. And honestly, who knows at this point if he's still gonna do it? Uh, but like, I've I've I took this time in this moment to order all the um, like when my comic book store shut down, I was like, I gotta get these uh, so I have some kind of comic to read. And now I have all six volumes, and I'm in volume five, and I'm like, oh, this thing is nuts. Like, even the movie they made only covers half the whole story, uh, and the back half is, like, all this other stuff. What but is it's the general like, plot? It's, it's like future Japan, uh, after some kind of incident, uh, really messed up old Tokyo. They're living in Neo-Tokyo, and uh, uh, a kid gets psychic powers and starts awakening uh, this... Uh, uh, spirit basically of destruction Akira who may have been a child who had psychic powers years ago and caused the last cataclysm that messed up the world interesting that kind of... that's what it was about yeah that's the plot in the bunker I'm actually I'm watching a lot of movies that I, you can't really call them classic films but like I feel like there's a certain genre of movie um 
that like kind of like big big deal dramas of like the 90s and like early 2000s is the only way I can really explain it but last night we watched the talented Mr. Ripley which is on Netflix which is a movie I just love so much uh for the uninitiated talented Mr. Ripley is about this man named uh Tom Ripley played by Matt Damon who um due to kind of like convoluted-ish uh, circumstances, ends up going to Italy and befriending um, this man named uh, named Dickie Greenleaf, played by Jude Law. Um, and he becomes kind of obsessed with him, but and kind of obsessed with his life. But at the same time, like, Dickie Greenleaf kind of sucks. And you sort of see through Tom's eyes, like, why he sucks. And so as kind of Tom becomes like more obsessed with him, the stakes get really high and I don't want to spoil too much of it. But if you like the movie Ingrid Goes West, I wanted to tweet about this, but then I forgot. It's so similar to Ingrid Goes West um, that I can only imagine that they took the plot of The Talented Mr. Ripley and like twisted it just slightly because it's kind of like... um, it's like basically about like, what does it mean to be successful? What does it mean to be somebody? Is it like having money? Is it, you know, like having clout? Is it being somebody that everybody knows? Or is it, you know, being a good person or being like a genuine person or whatever? Um, and yeah, it's a Patricia Highsmith novel, which is fun. So it's like kind of mysterious and like twisty and fucked up. Uh, but it's really good, and I really recommend everybody revisit that movie if you haven't seen it. Yeah, re- have you ever seen Desperately Seeking Susan? I have not. Is that a talented Mr. Ripley? It's kind of in this category, right? Where it's, yeah. Um, I forget the name of the lead, but basically they see, I think it's Madonna. It's Madonna. And, yes, it is Madonna. Obsessed with her, and like it kind of has a similar trajectory of like as the obsession grows, and she sort of seeks her out and like becomes part of her life. You get to see the other sides of what it actually means to be this person. That makes sense. I would totally watch that. I think it must have come out. When did that movie come out? I'm gonna Google it. 1985, and Mr. And Mr. Ripley came out. 90s. 99. So like 15 years after, right? 14 years. Yeah. Yeah, I love, like, the idea of just... I've also read a lot of books lately that kind of have this, like, concept of, like, wanting to become someone else and, like, almost but not quite succeeding. I just think it's, like, a really interesting area to explore. This weirdly weirdly falls into your I have a dead body in my closet and it's not my fault (laughs) to run scenario. Yes, it is. It does. It's a great Gatsby, right? Yes, for sure. Tend to have to read in school is like this... Although, again, the body in the closet isn't necessarily there, but maybe it should be. In the bunker. I hope that uh, the people somehow who wrote these books and made these movies hear this and, like, you know, feel warm inside. Of course they hear this. Caitlin, this is the premier Riverdale podcast. I hope so. The special episodes that come out when there are no new episodes. Everyone's listening to this. 
You know, I really thought we would be the first Riverdale podcast to make episodes in quarantine, but apparently that is not true. Who was it? Was it Riverdish? Those sons. <laughs> no, I think it's actually um, the after, not after show. Oh my God, what's it called? AV Club? I think that they're doing it. They're doing it. I was just about to ask you guys what you're watching. So. <laughs> okay, hey Beth, Beth where, can, where, can they, uh, where can they find you <laughs> online? Um, I guess if they were looking, uh, they could find me at E underscore Padden on Twitter. Uh, I'm not a great Twitter user, but I am, I guess, accessible via that. Um, or, uh, you could go, go watch a show that I worked on. That's Mm. a version of that. So, uh, Altered Carbon season two is on Netflix and the oath, uh, I worked on season one. Uh, is on Crackle, and both of those things are available. Yeah. Walter Carbon 2 is a great way to kill eight hours. It is. You know what? No higher recommendation can be made than a great way to kill eight hours. You've got eight hours, and it's going to fit right into those eight hours. (laughs) And it'll play on the screen. Fill those eight hours with all sorts of things. At one point, Netflix will be like, are you still watching Altered Carbon? You'll say yes. And then it'll keep playing Altered Carbon. I have nothing else going on. This is my life now. I watch the television. Absolutely. John, where can I find you? Uh, You know what? By the time this comes out, I think I'll actually be back on social media. So you'll be able to find me on Twitter at John Patton. I'll be the guy who's scared and confused and doesn't know uh, what's going on anymore. Uh, Hilarious. Coming out of his cave. Right, right. What's going on? The sun! Uh, you can also find me on the blog, uh, Catcher in the Rye. Rye is spelled W R Y. Such a good pun. Oh, thank you, Caitlin. Caitlin, where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Riley Tweets. That's R E I L L Y Tweets. And you can find all of us on the Riverdale Register Instagram page. Yeah, which... how's that been going? Not great, Bob. Um, But you know what? I really do feel like our followers will find us. You know? Right. Right. I'm pretty lazy. Sure. So, you know, that's really it. Can't lead the horse to water. Can't lead them to water, make them drink, etc. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm so excited I'm going to have ice cream. Uh, now Now I want ice cream. What are you doing? Yeah, that's what I'm eating, just in case I didn't say anything. I'm also looking at a menu for dinner tomorrow that I can have. I have something on my mind. It's food. Cool, dude. That's great. Anyway, guys, uh, over and out, River Vixens.